Hello everyone, welcome to the Arseholics podcast on a Sunday night. I've got myself, Raj, and Aaron and Mize with me. Hello boys. Hello mate. Hello. How's it going? Just low energy. <laughs> Come on guys. No, no. Up it. Up Hello, it. Raj. We've won, How are we've you? won again. Good, 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 good. <laughs> reflecting on a win, obviously. So yeah, we're just reflecting on the, uh, the, the weekend that just gone. Arsenal's first game at the Emirates, first, first home league game this season, Leicester City. Arsenal win 4-2. It was it was a it was a it was a beautiful attacking display. We'll dissect it. Jesus was brilliant. Um, a couple of goals from him, one from Xhaka, one from Martinelli, uh, and joint top of the league on points. You know, it doesn't get better than this unless you're, you know, you're the only one that's top. So, uh, uh, guys, how did you feel about yet another win, two wins in a row, and a really kind of I think pretty pretty convincing win? Would you not say? Yeah, I think um, yeah, four two was a was a. I mean, basically, we could have scored a lot more than four goals. We had the chances to do to to to, to do some serious damage to Leicester, um, and I think even Leicester's two goals um, potentially could have been avoided. Um, slight mishaps, you could say. So, overall scoreline wise, you know, yeah, it could have been it could have even even been more. But yeah, like you said, Roger, I don't think really we could have started this season any better, right? Six points from six, scoring goals, creating chances, new signings of new signings are there, you know, new signings are in the team and, you know, we, we're not kind of um we're not scampering around at the end of the transfer window trying to fill spaces in the squad. I'm sure we will still still hopefully do some more business, but the main guys are are there. They've hit the ground running. Um so overall, you know, there aren't really too many negatives. Um at the moment and yeah yesterday was it was just such it was just such a such a nice day such a good win and it was a really entertaining win as well so yeah really enjoyed it Aaron and there was some interesting things in the game yesterday which I think we haven't really seen from Arsenal um you know certainly over the last couple of years gone which is that it fe- it's felt like over the last couple of years when a, a team score when a team get a goal back suddenly it's all like oh crap you know and everyone gets a bit nervy and everyone yeah, you know, Leicester. Uh, the two times Leicester got a goal back in the game, we scored within two minutes of each of those goals. It was almost like Leicester was still celebrating, and we we scored two decent goals. Uh, what did you think of that? That kind of responsiveness. Yeah, it was interesting, right? So, I I didn't actually watch the game live. Uh, you guys went. I was away at my brother-in-law's graduation. Um, congratulations to him. But I missed the game. Um, I mean, I yeah, and as far that. as reasons for um, like not getting come to a game, that is absolutely <laughs> terrible. I mean, I going to my brother-in-law's graduation, mate. Jesus. Anyway, no, anyway, well, I like. Can, my I, can I just? Can I, <laughs> I bet? I bet he's a lovely guy. <laughs> you know, I bet he's a lovely. I'm going to add as well, just to make this worse. So I was on holiday last week. I was abroad, and I booked my flight back. Left my wife and kids in another country, and I came back on Friday night. No, Saturday early hours of the morning. Got into bed at four a.m. and I made it. And by the way, do you know what? Additional nonsense to this, Mize, right? Is out of the three of us, he's the only idiot who got invited to the the, the screening of Arsenal's, you know, all or nothing thing. Because he is like fucking poster boy supporter over there. Like been to every home game or whatever. Which, by the way, I'm still not convinced that I did not, you know, go to every home game or whatever. Anyway, point the bitterness, is, the bitterness. absolute okay. nonsense. And then look at you anyway. phoning in because it's your brother-in-law's graduation. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but anyway, this is, I was going to turn this into a point about, so I yeah so I was I was actually listening on the radio which is something I quite like to do, um, it's a bit of a throwback, but um, when when 
when they scored, I actually lost signal. And then I was just like, oh no, they've pulled one back. Like classic Arsenal fan anxiety. And then I got a goal alert on my phone like a minute later. And I was like, oh, uh, we've scored again. And I was like, oh, this is like, maybe we are learning something. And then they pulled another one back. And I was like, oh no, here we go again. This is it. Like, this is a start of their comeback. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And then Martinelli scores again. And I'm like, oh, um, this is quite nice. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know how you guys celebrate the goals in the in the ground, but you must have been going mental at those um those yeah, last two those, those two sorry i got i got sorry you have, sorry am i the only one who lost no you, Aaron? Uh, yeah i did as well oh right oh did you yeah you just basically okay. you just had your face like that and then i didn't <laughs> hear you whatever oh, i was making such a good point um so you said it's about after that. martinelli scored or something like this yeah so martinelli scored and um i just felt that actually it was again great for us as fans to not have to deal with that anxiety um, because, you know, we as Arsenal fans, we like to worry, right? We always find the worst case scenario for anything that could happen. So I think just for us to not have to deal with those emotions of, are we going to throw this one away? Is this, you know, is this the dawn of a new era or is this like same old Arsenal? Like we've just put that debate to bed straight away. We were like, no, we're not going to deal with this anxiety. We're just going to score and stop them from even thinking they've got a chance of coming back. Mm. Agreed. And it's how much of that do you think is to do with Arsenal? Um, And how much do you think is to do with the fact that Leicester just defensively kind of seem like they're picking off from last season and just are effectively a poor man's Wenger's Arsenal? No, I think usually... I would say, oh, like Leicester, they look poor. And yeah, they got, I know they've got a bit of a gut issue in goal with Borden, who wasn't very good yesterday. But I genuinely think we played some really good stuff going, for, going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think Leicester just didn't know how to handle the movement of Jesus, of Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka. They just caused so many problems for them. I think, you know, on another day, we could have, it could have been five or six. And actually, yep. our, you know, Jesus missed a couple of good chances. Jacka missed a chance. It, we should have put that game to bed a lot earlier. And actually, the biggest learning for me was actually, well, this this could have been a lot bigger. Yeah, Mize, you know, like that first half domination, right, is interesting because it wasn't quite the same as how it happened against Palace, right? Against Palace, we sort of dominated from the word go and then sort of started to come off it a little bit in the sort of 35th, 40th minute. It was quite interesting as Leicester, wasn't it? Because the first five minutes or so, we weren't actually that good. And it felt like Leicester actually were kind of going toe-to-toe and they probably had the best chance at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, something clicked and then it was just complete domination of that half. What did you think of that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite, yeah, it's quite interesting because I think this team is still kind of finding its feet in a way with the new signings, with the way that um, Arteta wants them to play. And I think, you know, we saw it against Palace, right? And we were talking about this pre-match. Started the game really well, 20, 25, 30 minutes of pure domination, controlling the ball. But then I don't think we as a team, Arsenal as a team, are yet at that level where we can do that for a longer sustained period of time, like a City do, like a Liverpool do, where they just blow teams away, basically, um, in the first half. Um, So I think that's one of the things that this team 
needs to improve on. And I think that will come because you can st- now start to see where Arteta's basically got, you'd probably say this is his team now, right? It's probably the first time uh, as of the start of the season, you'd say this is Arteta's team. These are the players that he wanted, yeah. um, barring maybe one or two. Um, and you can now see how he wants us to play, especially going forward, like especially attacking wise, the the difference that, and I know we're going to talk about Jesus obviously, right? But the difference that he brings to that front line and we, and we touched on it in the, in the last episode or last couple of episodes, you know, the upgrade on Lacazette, but just everything more that he offers and kind of that, just that upping the level of quality, basically. Um, it just brings so much more and it just allows all of the other attacking players and those forward players to kind of come to life basically in and around the box. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fantastic to see. And I think we're just going to see that maybe, I don't know if it'll be through the whole season or for the first part of the season, but I think there's going to be certain games against teams that probably come to the Emirates or are happy for like a draw or to, you know, to just basically, you know, yeah, um, try and try not to concede essentially. Um, I think you're going to see periods of us dominating, but I just don't think we're quite at that level yet where we're going to do it for like, a whole half, for example, or for six, 60 or 70 minutes and get three or four goals, put the game to bed and then just take your foot, foot off the gas kind of thing. And Mice, do you, do, you, do you think that that will happen? Do you think that's a time thing or do you think that there's more players that we need to bring in to be able to do that? I think it's a bit of both. So I think it's a time thing in terms of the team getting more and more used to the system. You know, you've kind of got this, and I, we've touched on it, right? You've kind of got this very fluid front three potentially four, you've got, you know, Jesus going left, right in the box, dropping deep. He's, he's performing a number of roles and, and kind of picking up the ball in different areas. You saw it with the first goal when he, he's gone wide to get the ball um, and then ends up in the box to score. Um, and I think these players are still learning that system that Arteta wants to play, but you can clearly see, and you kind of see it now with the documentary as well, as well, right? I mean, I know there's not too much tactical insight on, on all or nothing, but you see, Arteta has a very clear vision and a very clear plan of what he wants from the players. Um, and like I say, I think if you say now is the team that he wanted or the play, he's got the personnel and the players that he wanted, I, I can only see it kind of improving from this point. I, I, I mean, look, you could argue majority of our position, or a lot of a lot of positions in our team, okay, and a few positions in our team are upgradable. The obvious one is probably Granite Xhaka. Um and that's maybe one area where I guess, I don't know if we are looking at someone or not, but he's he's doing, in my opinion, doing pretty well at the moment in that number eight role. Um, so, yeah. And just going to Jesus, because we, yeah, we, you know, we really should talk about, about him. Aaron, and he scored two and he assisted two. Four contra- goal contributions in a game. I can't remember when any Arsenal player had four goal contributions in a game. To do that in your first... Premier League game at Arsenal. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, yes, he's not a uh, he's not like a kid, and he's not someone new to the Premier League, but it's still a new team. Um, and what do you what do you make of that 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 kind of impact of of, of what he had on the game? And again, we've 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 compared him to the Lacazette of last season. <laughs> you know what we had to offer last season, but from what you've seen, again, you know, we've just had two Premier Leagues to go games to go by. From what you've seen. Is this a game changer? Does he is he really taking us up to that next level? Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. I think that I'm I'm going to hold my hands up. I was very skeptical about would he be able to deliver the goal record, like deliver goals. I've always rated him as a player, but would he be able to really take that responsibility of being 
our goal scorer for a whole season. And I'm now more and more convinced that he could like, I think what his highest season, like his highest goal scoring season at city was probably 14, 15 goals. Uh, yeah, I think it's more he's going now. It was, it was more than, Is it? Yeah. In Premier League, Premier League. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think it's clear at this rate, he's, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you'd back him to probably get a golden boot at this rate. I mean, yeah. the way he's, the way he's going now is just, he's, he's stepped up. I think that's clear. I think even, I'd love to hear what City fans think about seeing his first two performances for us, because mm. he has not only just continued to deliver in the box. And I think there's an argument to say that, you know, we needed a striker, right? And, you know, the benchmark that he's been compared against is Lacazette and Lacazette was clearly not able to deliver in the box anymore um, towards, especially towards the end of last season. So, I mean, he's been compared to someone who clearly failed to deliver, but he has stepped up. I think he's stepped up and he's delivering and he's taken on the responsibility of being the, you know, the superstar in the team somewhat. Mm. And I think he's enjoying that responsibility. I think he's enjoying showing these young players that he's happy to take that responsibility of creating a chance from nothing um, to just getting a shot away from nothing. And I think you see players like Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard just really enjoying playing with him. Agreed. Mice and I were so confident before the before the game about Jesus. <laughs> honestly, so we I don't know if we mentioned this to you. We so we we both put money on him to score a hat trick. So we had we yeah. had ten we had like a ten. Oh, right, we, yeah, so, you should be. Yeah. You must have been so gutted at the end because he should have got. Absolutely, should have had in the first half, mate. Yeah. In the first half, yeah. right? So yeah, I mean, and uh, if we talk about those goals. I think it's, it is really important. I think to to analyze Hayes' performance because not not just because we want to be indulgent because I think it te- it can tell us a lot about what we can expect this season. His first goal was basically a moment of brilliance. It was also a move that he basically sort of started because he was he did that thing where. He's done it a couple of times. He did it in the friendlies hmm. and he did it against, against Palace. I think, you know, what I'm going to say most. He basically he's on that wide area and he started some there and he's, he's, he's able to get into the box in a, in really dangerous positions and our players are finding him and he's being really potent. And that, I mean, that finish was, it was a brilliant finish. There ended up being a little nick that he took on the way, but it ended up going in. But, you know, if you compare it to the rest of the, everything else, the, the second goal was a far post header, which, you've got to be aware and you've got to anticipate and it's come off Vardy and he's, and he's there and he's ready to, to hit it. And his two assists are, you know, or one is, is just hard work anticipation in the box to lay it off for granite. And the other one is just, you know, it's a sensible side pass, but one interesting one that, you know, I, I kind of felt it probably excited me the most was one that he missed. And it was the one that Ramsdale smashed it up the, up, up the field and he's controlled it and he spun Johnny Evans. And I know, look, Aaron and I know that must have been so hard for you <laughs> because of how much you love that guy, right? I love, love, love him, but you know he 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 spun him, and you know what it reminded me of, guys. Do you remember when we played City on New Year's Day and we lost, and Gabriel's second yellow card? His second yellow card was because Jesus spun him in the in, in the center and basically went off. Yeah, yeah. When you have someone who can do that, he's he can do that out of nothing. Mm. So so what I was most excited about is in things like that, we don't even have to be playing well when you have a player who can do stuff like that, it's like when we had Sanchez, you know, he could just do something. And I felt that we've, we've, we don't have that player. Well, we haven't had that despite how good your Sackers are and Odegaards and Smith Rose, despite how good they are. I still don't feel they're like the sort of players will do something out of nothing. But that for me was just like, wow, 
But this is what I mean, right? Do you think at City, I don't think Gabriel Jesus was the guy that City turned to when they were like, okay, we're not playing well. You're right. We need Gabriel Jesus to do something from nothing, right? They've got De Bruyne. They've got, you know, a number of other players who they would turn to to say, okay, you need to win us this game. Like Jesus chipped in regularly, right? But I think he's transformed into this type of player that you said now, which is, okay, well, like, okay, yes, we were playing well yesterday, but even if we're not playing well, I'm going to try and make something happen and win this game potentially by myself with a bit of genius. And there's still, you know, room to grow for him in that, into that role. Like, we're, we're basing this off two games, so let's not get carried away. But he's certainly showing signs of maturing into that type of player. I think, I was just going to say as well, I think it helps massively that he's just, you know, obviously he had a very good preseason, so full of confidence and he's coming to the, into this season full of confidence. He knows he's the main man at Arsenal now. He knows he's going to be starting basically every Premier League game, every big game. And I think that must help massively because he just like, he, he he knows where he sits with this team and with this manager. Um, and yeah, he, he he's had, he's just had a flying start with the club. So yeah, you could just tell he was just buzzing yesterday. He was full of confidence. He said that in his um, post-match interview, they asked him at least, I'm not sure if they showed it on TV, but when I was listening on five live, he said, um, it's not that I wasn't unhappy at City, but I just wanted to play. Okay. And at City, you've got loads of good players, but I came here because I just want to play. And then he, you know, to fair play to him, he then paid credit to Eddie Nketiah. He said, look, between me and Nketiah, there's two of us, there's two very good strikers here, and we're going to basically want to keep each other on our toes. But I want to play, and I want to continue to score goals. And that's, yeah, that's probably part of the reason why he came here and, the sell to him that I assume Arteta and Edu gave him was you know, come here and become the main man and you could really step up. Yeah, definitely. You can almost see it on his face. He looks like he's enjoying it so much, you know, being being here. And it, that, yeah, that, that fluency he's got going on with, with the team is great. Uh, you know, a point that I wanted to touch on, I think this kind of brings naturally to it actually is, Yesterday, a lot of what we did well was coming down this left-hand side. And it's that area that Hayes also likes to sort of gravitate towards as well. And Martinelli, who is, you know, Aaron, and you, you, he was your choice this season as the player that you thought would would really kind of, you know, be our stand-up player. He's got two goals in two games. You know, you're, you're on track for that. And, um, and Zinchenko has obviously started very well. So... One of the things I was really feeling yesterday is that left-hand side was where, was where it was very potent for us. And it felt like Saka was sort of struggling a little bit to impact the game on the right-hand side. D- d- is that something that any of you observe? Might well, I mean, I'll go to you on this. Do, do, do you observe that? And do you have any not concerns? But uh, I guess any um, any thoughts on basically what seems to be a more bias that we have now to that left-hand side? No concerns, really. I don't think Saka had a bad game at all. I mean, to be fair, he probably he could have ended up with an assist on Jacka's Jacka's header that hits the post. That could have easily been a goal, and, and therefore an assist for him. He had a pretty, he had a sort of a, a fairly good chance where he worked his way into the box in the second half, and the keeper saved it. And the one that Hayes just misses, well, it's not an open goal as such, but it, you know, one that he should score, and he could have had a goal or maybe even an assist there. So, I think he was heavily involved in the game. Um, I, I, I guess it's, I, to be honest, I kind of look at it as a positive because it just shows that we're now not as reliant on him as we have been for the last couple of years. Um, we've been looking at Saka when he was like 19, 20 years old to get us out of holes that he should never have kind of been put in that position. Um, so 
So from that perspective, I'm not I'm not concerned. I still feel like he's getting lots of touches of the ball. He still looks dangerous. He still looks confident. Um, and I think the other factor is maybe, and I don't know how I don't know how much this I don't know how much this has impacted his start to the season in terms of maybe he hasn't looked quite as dangerous as say Marcelli on the other side. But obviously, not having Tommy Asu behind him. Mm-hmm. Does that make a difference? Like, it's probably a question I'll ask you guys. You know, do you feel like that makes it? Obviously, it will make a difference because between him and Ben White, between Tommy Asu and Ben White, they're very different players when they play at right back, right? But um, I don't know. Do you guys feel that that could make a difference or has made a difference to how Saka's playing and kind of his involvement in games? I have a thought. I mean, Aaron, do you want to do you want to go first? Yeah, I was I was just literally about to say pretty much word for word what you said, Myers, which is. Uh, I think Ben White offers something very different. And I'm, I'm not necessarily sure it's a bad thing because last season, like you said, it was if Erdegaard and Saka didn't do anything, we didn't score goals. Um, and actually, like now Erdegaard has got kind of two options, although he's kind of, he, he's a bit more of a right-sided eight in this system. Um, he can go left and he gets involved with, all that fun on the left-hand side with Jesus and Martinelli and Jacko and Zinchenko. And yeah, we don't really seem to have that going on on the right, but I think that's probably a tactical thing because looking at the way Martinelli kind of got at that Leicester defense, that looked like a deliberate plan. And I think it, I, mean, I think there are going to be days where we say, actually, let's put some more, emphasis on the right-hand side and maybe you're right as we paid Tommy Asu instead of Ben White because actually we need more down there um I just think it's great to have options the fact that we're saying look Saka didn't play although he probably like like you said could have got two assists um does it concern me no absolutely not I'm not worried about it I think it's an exciting way to tweak the system if we need it yeah I agree and I think the thing I just underline about that is with with that Tommy Asu and Ben White um, alternation and how that impacts Saka. I think that it's almost less about them as individuals and more about the system because I think when Ben White does play, it means that Saka has to do more work. And I think when Tommy Asu plays, given he just plays as a more traditional fullback in an overlapping fullback kind of capacity as opposed to an inverted fullback capacity, it just means that it's less work for Saka. So like, I, I think that I agree with you, Myers. I think that when Tommy Asu does play, then Saka, by virtue of just not having as much responsibility on the defensive side, probably does kind of find it more straightforward. I think it probably helps on the left-hand side with Xhaka, actually, because Xhaka is very good at filling in in that kind of left space as well, like defensively. And, 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 and you know, we should come up come onto that in a second. But, you know, it's a side that he feels more comfortable kind of mopping up on as opposed to that, you know, other side. So I wonder if that is an impact as well. But, um, you know, we've got... It's it's interesting because it's that position with Zaka last season that we talked about about you know needing to not rely on him so much. So whether he's whether it is a form thing, I'm not necessarily saying it is or not. It's kind of great that we're not having to rely on potency from that side, isn't it? And Fabio Vieira is going to you know come in soon, and 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 you know hopefully he'll make things interesting on that right hand side soon as well. Mice, I wanted to talk to you guys about something that we were talking. Uh, about in the pub a little bit and and throughout the game and it is about Xhaka right it's about Xhaka's role in this team uh how he's doing and and do we need to 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 upgrade now look he scored yesterday he was overall I thought very good yesterday and 
we've discussed this in the past, but you know, the system that we're playing now involves Xhaka playing quite high, high up the pitch. And when we are in possession and we're attacking, he kind of ends up being in this kind of front five where there's someone in each of these half spaces and he's one of that five who's in one of those half spaces. Um, and we saw evidence of that in, in the game yesterday when he's arriving in the box and his goal was him in the box and, you know, and that's not a, an area that you would have seen Xhaka in the past. This is clearly a system thing. It's a reason why he's there. So, we, so you know, you're getting a lot out of him and it's interesting because he still divides the fan base. There are still loads of fans out there going, he's a liability and, you know, he shouldn't be in the team and almost arguing that these tactics are almost covering up for him as opposed to giving him any of the credit itself. Um, you know, first and foremost, before we kind of get into, you know, should we get any any players or whatever in, what do you think of him, Mize, in that position and, and and how he's been playing? And do you think any of this criticism is fair? Or do we think, do you think that actually everyone should be really patting Xhaka on the back? The criticism, the criticism is, I, I feel like with Arsenal fans, right, we've all just been burnt by, by Xhaka so many times in the last kind of like five years, right? Everyone's got painful memories of these like awful last ditch tackles and mistakes and reckless behavior. And, you know, some people still hold the palace thing against him when he got, when he got subbed off. And so I think, I think for a lot of Arsenal fans, they, they, he's, he's just a player that they will just kind of never kind of almost accept. And even if he does have a good game, if he scores a goal or, you know, puts in a good performance or starts the season, whereas, you know, I think the three of us probably feel like he has, some Arsenal fans just won't kind of give him the chance anymore. And, and that kind of bridge has been burnt with them. So fair enough. So I think, I think sometimes the, the criticism can be a bit unfair because I think whether he plays well or badly, he's just a player that gets a lot of abuse anyway. Um, and criticism um, in terms of his, his kind of new role. Yeah. It is really interesting. Like you said, Raj, you know, we, we've never really seen him and I don't think he's ever kind of had this role in his career where he's played as, uh, as far forward as he is now. And you made a really good point in the pub after the, after the, um, the match yesterday where you, you said, you know, basically he he joined Arsenal and the position that he took up was this kind of like deep lying defensive midfielder. Everyone thought he was like a tough tackling, um, you know, kind of just shield the, shield the back four type of defensive midfielder. And while he probably can perform that role, we've obviously seen where it's gone horribly wrong at times where he is left exposed. So, so at the moment I'm, I, I would say I'm, I'm happy with what he's doing in this, in this kind of, yeah, number eight down the left-hand channel role. And I think it's really good as well because when you've got Zinchenko as your left-back, who obviously likes to get forward, he likes to get involved with with what's going on in the final third. Xhaka understands the importance of covering that left-back area if, if needed. Now, I don't necessarily think he's the best athlete to do that, if that makes sense. Like, I think there's, you know, he's not, he's not the fastest player basically, right? So there's probably going to be times where it might be his role to cover, but he might still have to chase back quite a bit and we might get caught out. But I think on paper, in principle, the idea and the tactics work quite well. And obviously he's played he's played left back a few times as well. So he's he's fairly familiar with the position. So I think that works quite well. Like the 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 swapping of positions, Zinchenko comes inside, Xhaka goes out wide. And I, and I, and I quite like that as well. And I think this kind of, you know, technically Xhaka's a great player, right? He's got a, a wand of left foot. Like the goal he scored against United at home last season was a that was a fantastic strike. And, you know, we've seen him score some ridiculous goals for us for Switzerland before. So so the 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 idea that, you know, he's now going to be playing further forward and one of his biggest attributes is his left foot. You could p- probably say that he might be a decent source of goals this season if he if he stays in the same role, which is also quite interesting and quite exciting to see. So 
Um, yeah, so overall, like I said, I'm, I'm happy. I think like, if we're going to talk about potential upgrades, um, he is a player, I said it at the start, he is a player that can be upgraded. We've said this for the last few years. Um, and you know he has his limitations. He has always has that mistake in him. There's probably going to be a time, if he plays 30 or so games a season, there's going to be a sending off. There's going to be a, a, a rash like uh, where he loses his head basically or does something you know there's going to be that moment and we i think you just have to accept that if you not we shouldn't accept it in the sense that's okay but you have to accept if you play him that's what's gonna that's what you're gonna get from him so from from that perspective i think he's definitely upgradable still is that telemans is that someone else i don't know but um i think for now it seems to be working really really well so i'm, I'm happy overall aaron and in that position that he is playing um and I agree with Mize. I think it's working out. And I think in all the all the iterations of Granite Xhaka that we've seen at Arsenal under different managers in different positions, for me, this is the one that's working out the best. At the same time, you know, do you think that in a position like that, when you have got a player who is arriving in, in the box and, you know, playing quite high up the pitch, and albeit yes, as Mize correctly pointed out, he's got a wand of a left foot, do you think that there are other players that are more suited to that role? And if we take Tielemans as an example... You know, is he someone or that type of player, someone that you would rather see in that role? Well, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I'm I'm a big fan of what I think Tillemans could bring to this team. But honestly, I've seen the way Jacques has been playing these last two games and in preseason. And I think Tillemans will struggle to match it, to be honest. Mm. I, I think Granite Jack is playing that well in that role. And like, I think we're just like, if we had signed a number eight and he was dropping the performances that Xhaka had dropped in the fir- in the first two games, we would have been like whoever this, you know, Edu and Arteta are geniuses. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like I'm with Myers. I think he's going to cost us at some point. We know this, right? And that is the frustration with Xhaka is you kind of just accept that he is going to cost you three to six points. He sort of nearly did at the beginning um, yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, because he gave yeah. the ball away, right? And uh, well, he got, he got, caught. Got, he got caught on the ball. Yeah. And, and yeah, they were in Fafana, yeah. I think it was, weirdly. I think it was, yeah. 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 And um, exactly. And I think, you know, sometimes it is his fault. Sometimes, to be fair to him, it's not his fault, but it's his reputation. But where actually referees just treat him harshly and give him a yellow where he probably doesn't deserve a yellow and other people wouldn't have got a yellow. And yeah, that's unfortunate, but that's the player that we have. We have a player that has a bad reputation with referees and the referees find it easy to pick on. And I think, and that's kind of why we say we need someone else doing this as well, because, you know, I'm very happy for Granit Xhaka to stay in the squad. And I, I have no, I don't think we need to sell him, but is he the type of number eight that we can rely on for 38 games a season in the Premier League plus important European games? I don't know. It feels a bit wild to say that because I, I worry, mm. but you know, his timings of runs yesterday uh, were really good. His distribution was really good. You know, he, he lacks the finishing, but now he's, he's clearly learning how to do that now as well. Although the chance he, he got on Saturday was pretty much unmissable. But mm. um, no, I'm I'm willing to give it a go. And I think that's what Arteta's doing. He's like, oh, well, I'll put him here. And he's, look, Granit Jack is the type of player that every manager picks. He plays in every position and the managers trust him. He plays left back. He plays number six. He plays number eight. Um, he can do a job. So clearly the Mikel Arteta trusts him. And I think he's going to, 
I think it's probably you know, Tiedemans will probably come in and hope I hope he comes in because I think he's a good player. But no, if if it doesn't, I feel a lot more reassured now than I did a few weeks ago. Agree, agree. Um, okay, just before we move on from this game, one thing that I also wanted to touch on is the fact that we did concede two goals. Right, um, we did concede two goals. It didn't cost us today, but. But particularly the first one, it, you know, it came at a point where it felt like, you know, Arsenal in total domination, you know, letting someone else, letting an opponent back into the game was such like a classic Arsenal thing to do. But the two goals were a bit random, weren't they? So the first one was just, you know, Saliba headed back to the keeper that just kind of went wrong on another day. Probably that goes past the post on, you know, on another day, Ramsdale doesn't doesn't come off his line or whatever. Um, and in the, But the, the, the second goal was probably something that Ramsdale should be doing better at. He should probably save it, in, in, in my opinion. Um, Mize, do those two goals give you any cause for concern, either individually or or kind of is there anything thematic there that you think that we need to be concerned about? Not not massively. Not massively. I guess it's easy to say that now because we won the game. We scored so quickly after, after both times after we conceded. But it, not massively, but... The, the the main takeaway from me for both goals, sort of the Saliba one, right? Like, I don't even think he's trying to head it back. I think he's just trying to intercept the pass and he just stretches and he's just very, very unlucky. And I think, yeah, if he tried that a hundred times, it probably goes in like once or twice. So that one I'm not too concerned with. But my main, I guess, if there was a concern, it isn't really with the defense. It's probably with, probably with um, Ramsdale, to be honest. Like on the first one, I don't know if you guys thought this, but did you think he was out of position at all. Did you, did you think he was too far off his line, Ramsdale? Oh, what, for, for the for first the, For the own goal. It's difficult that I, because I just don't, because it, it was, it was such a random thing to happen. I wasn't really sure where he was meant to be in the That's first was, place. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't think he, expe- I think he was coming out, I think. Or- but why would he be coming out? Because yeah. it's not like it's a ball for him to come. And- That's why I was a bit, exactly. I was a bit confused. So anyway, so so that was a slight concern. And then the second goal, look, I mean, look, he, he should obviously save that, right? I think I I think I can kind of accept us conceding a goal like that or, or Ramsdale letting a goal like that uh, past him because generally he's a pretty good shot stopper. And I think it's just one of those where it's like right under his feet. It's just one of those where you've got to sort your feet out really quickly. And he's tried to do that and... To be fair, Madison's hit a pretty decent shot, a pretty powerful shot, and he's just not been able to do it fast enough. And I, again, I think, you know, that's one he'll probably learn from. The 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 so so overall, not like I said, not massively concerned. The other kind of concern from a defensive standpoint was the penalty that was overturned, because mm. that for me could have easily not not the decision was correct, but I think you know you're talking fractions of a second mm-hmm. or a fraction of a second where. If Ramsdale's a fraction of a second later, he makes some sort of contact with Vardy or a li- you know slightly stronger contact, and that, then that is a penalty. That's a penalty all day long. Uh, when I first saw it, when we first saw it, I thought it was a penalty. To be fair, and mm-hmm. it took the replays obviously to to show it wasn't. So, so there are these moments of slight lapses in concentration here and there, where you know the top keepers in general, whether that's like if it's, even if you're a Liverpool or City's keeper and you're you know the ball's always down the other end, you always have to be switched on basically. And if your team's dominating and got all of the ball and you don't have to do anything for the whole game, great. There's going to be a moment or two in a game where you're going to need to be switched on and make the right decision. And there's just a couple of times where um, that concerns me slightly with Ramsdale. But again, I kind of put that when you when you put that against the fact that he's still a very young, inexperienced goalkeeper. We've said it before, right? With Saliba, with 
all of our defenders basically uh, and with with um Ramsa we're going to have to expect the odd clanger the odd mistake because they're just very they're, they're inexperienced so um overall no I thought I thought I thought it was pretty pretty solid and I think again Saliba you know just touching on him really quickly he had another really good game he just mm-hmm. he just looks like you would not watch him and think he's a 20 was he 21 21 year old center back never played in the Premier League before up until now basically and never played for Arsenal before. Like you wouldn't look at him and think that. And it's just, it's actually mental when you watch him play because he's just such a calm, cool, collected defender, imposes himself. Yeah, just looks comfortable already. So um, yeah, overall, pretty happy, pretty happy defensively. Agree. Aaron, anything to add about the the goals conceded? No, I think you, I think you, you just said it, Raj. It's one of those where I think, if it happens again a thousand times, I don't think either of those are goals. I think Saliba probably deals with it. And um, on another day, that's a, it's a tricky shot, one of those for a goalkeeper, where it's just hit so hard you don't have time to sort your feet out. And um, he just gets done for power. And like again, I think on another day, Ramsdale probably just kicks that away and um, and deals with it. So, no, that doesn't concern me. And again, I think, yeah, the one that did concern me most was probably that first chance that, was it Fafana had yeah. maybe where he kind of just ran through our entire defense. That was a bit concerning. And, but since then we dealt with the game, we controlled them. We limited them to you know, chances where they only scored when we made individual mistakes. So it's encouraging because again, it shows, okay, that was a four two, but if we don't make those mistakes and we, you know, we potentially put some of our chances away that we missed, it's probably a five or a six nil. And um, that's a very different game altogether. It's a different way of looking at that performance. Yeah, agree. So, look, um, drawing a line under that, it's a victory. It's six goals scored in two games and two conceded. We'll take that and we'll win, you know, two wins out of two. And arguably, if you look at our first five games on paper, you could argue that the first two on paper are probably harder than the the three that's coming up. And we did see Arsenal last season, though, be incredibly unpredictable with that regard. You know, we were losing patches where we really shouldn't have lost and then actually won patches that we didn't expect. So it'll be interesting to see um, where we go. But, you know, as we said last episode, you're only sort of as good as the people that you're competing against and in terms of the objectives that you're trying to achieve, the people who are trying to achieve similar objectives. So we're still learning... Although we're still learning about Arsenal, we're learning about these other teams as well. So this week weekend gave us another opportunity to to do that. Um, look, Man City battered Bournemouth, expected Liverpool uh, are, are yet to play. But um, yeah, and 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 Spurs and Chelsea just played today in a, a thrilling game, which you know we don't have time to break down today. But you know it was a it was a thrilling draw in the end. So both teams dropping points, but you know. I think uh, everyone would agree that Chelsea on the balance of play sort of dominated that game. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Let's not go into that. But what we wanted to spend some time going into today, not just because it's well fun, is Man United. And, I mean, what's kind of going on there? And I think it's important for us to talk about this because it's kind of one of these things where the grass is always greener sometimes, right? And you've got you've got your own problems but sometimes it's nice to sort of look and go do you know what maybe we are doing a few things right and maybe we have actually made a few decisions right that we thought you know do you know what i mean and man united at the moment um they've just lost four nil to brentford but brentford probably felt sorry for them after going four nil up after 35 minutes they just you know 
finished the game 4-0. They've lost two in a row now. It's uh, a tough start for Ten Hag. But, you know, let's, let's let's play this back a year, guys, yeah? So a year ago, we were away at Brentford on opening night and and we've lost 2-0 and the criticisms are coming out left right and center around our recruitment around the quality of our players and you know effectively making us all trying to kind of implant these seeds of doubt into us around the faith that we have in this process should we trust this process does edu even know what he's doing those kind of kind of wussa wussas is coming from the, you know, from uh, from all these from all these different places, right? And you've got Man United right now, okay, who are in I don't know how many iterations of the evolution post Fergie, how many managers now, how much money spent, but they've got themselves in a situation where I don't know they've got the I don't know fifth or sixth or seventh I, I don't know manager since Pogi F- Pogi Fergie since Fergie, um, he's there, he's brought a couple of players in probably hasn't been able to bring in everyone that he would like to just yet but regardless it's a one billion pound squad yeah and the team out there that played brentford i think were worth around well, they paid 460 million for remember that doesn't include the fact they got ronaldo on a free so you know or was it a free i think they paid they pay a token amount but anyway um 460 odd million brentford cost brentford's team that started cost 55 million um all right, I'm going to pause there because that was a bit monologue of, of me. Aaron, and, you know, your, your your brother is a Man United fan. So, you know, you obviously probably feel um, a, a lot of frustration from him. And we got, what, what do you guys think? You know, this is the great Man United. This is the team that we hated during the 90s because if we, if we were going to win the league, you had to beat United and that was it, right? I mean, what is going on? And do you look at them and do you think they just need to do what we, they just need to go look at Arsenal and go copy paste, just do what they've done? Or are we being a bit arrogant? I think, yeah, I think the interesting thing is like when that Brentford, when we lost to Brentford, like, yeah, Gary Neville was talking nonsense on Sky Sports, but we all knew that there was a clear plan at that point. Like we'd signed Ben White, we'd signed Ramsdale at that point, I think. Uh, and it was clear that what we were looking to do was to bring in young players to help build this squad, because we known we know that we were never going to be able to go and buy the Salas and the Manos of this world to come and help us out. Right? Um, with Man United, I think they just buy players because they think, oh, we're Man United and we should buy this really good player like Jaden Sancho we've been trying to get for three years. They buy him and they have no idea what to do with him. There's no. There is like you could literally take word for word what Gary Neville said about us and just apply it to Man United, which is like, what is the plan with Man United? What is the strategy? And like, what are they trying to do? Um, and you know, I I'd love to know where it's going wrong. Is it the man- managers who are making this call of like, let's just sign these players and not really have a plan on what to do with them? Or is it the like? the football staff, the director of football, whoever it is who's doing the transfers at Man United, is it the chairman, CEO, or is it actually the Glazers? Because, you know, I think for me, it's clear that the Glazers don't really care, but they're like, well, give you, you've got a billion pounds to spend on your team. That's enough to go and build a good team. Mm. And they're like, go and do what you need to do. And they've spent lots of money. They've just spent it really badly without any plan whatsoever. And, I the the thing that if I was a Man United fan that would worry me is it will get worse before it gets better, 
right? The problem is we we tolerated those eighth place finishes because we were like, we have to be patient with Arteta because it's, it has to get worse before it gets better. If Man United are sitting in 10th place at Christmas, are they going to give Ten Hag another two seasons? I don't know. Um, and that's what, well, it's, it, it excites me, but they, you know, and then they went and signed Ronaldo. Ronaldo is a win now mm. player. Ronaldo is not a project player. He's not going to stick around for four or five seasons to be like, I'm going to deal with eighth place two seasons in a row. And then they go and buy, it's just, it's a mess. Their strategy is a mess. They might get lucky because eventually they'll accumulate enough good players to muddle through. But eventually these these mistakes and this lack of strategy will catch up to them. But Mize, like, even if you're like Del Boy and Rodney and you're given a billion, like, right, and you spend it on a bunch of players and you've got no real strategy, but you, you end up getting a squad that's, you know, generally worth that much money... Surely, to some extent, forget the Glazers, forget the managers or whatever, a bunch of players that you accumulated for that amount of money should, in theory, be able to do better than this, right? Like, not even under kind of, you know, one system. They've had plenty of systems. Some of these players have, like, outlived many managers, right? Hmm. Well, against Brentford, to be 4-0 down that that quickly, Hmm. what do you... I mean, what what is it? Do you think that there's something rotten about that? What what like what? Is, I just don't get it. Like, right. what I, I guess what I'm going yeah. with this is anyone could, if you have a squad that that's that's that talented, and surely they're talented because they have a market value. These players, and you sign them for that market value. That market value is dictated by supply, demand, whatever. So these are decent players. Yeah. How can you be that bad? I think that's the question, isn't it, mate? I, you. I mean, look, is it a case of, like, I think when you look at the Ronaldo thing, so this is an example, I, I can't answer your question. I don't think anyone can really answer that question apart from maybe Ten Hag, maybe the players, maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because he knew what went on before. I, I I, don't think any of us can really answer what the hell is going on and how they can play so badly with, yeah, exactly, so many supposedly talented players, right? But like the Ronaldo situation just must be an absolute nightmare for Ten Hag because like, so he came back into the team yesterday and they had to, they they obviously brought him in up front. So they had to drop McTominay. I think it was McTominay. And then they played Ericsson as like a deep lying midfielder. And like, since when has Ericsson ever played? Like, so, th- so like even those sorts of decisions, which, but I feel like that's Ten Hag's hand being forced because he has to fit Ronaldo in as long as Ronaldo's at the club. So, so like, there's just so many problems. There's just so, so, so many problems. Like, yeah, it goes, it starts from the top and it goes all the way down. I mean, the only thing, like you, the, the point you mentioned about, you know, the copy paste idea and, and, and kind of doing what Arsenal have done and, and starting from scratch, like the thing, the thing with our project that, you know, there's so much to like about it. Right. But one of the things that was clearly a problem, I don't know, during the back end of the Wenger era, four or five years ago was from the top, so with the Cronkies owning the club, there was no face. There was no, there was like there was no, there was no connection between the owners and us as fans, or between the owners and the club. And then they clearly that was clearly highlighted as a problem. And then Josh Cronky came onto the scene and has now become that face. And now you you know we hear from Edu all the time, and we you know now see Vinay a bit and whatever. So so for me, that addressing that would be. A massive would go a massive way to probably appeasing the United fans a little bit to having effect like for the to Glazers actually having like a presence within the club, which is what every Man United fan complains about. And uh, yeah, but mate, like I don't know where do you start unpicking it. I don't even think you can. I think for now, I'm just happy to enjoy 
I was enjoying it. I was enjoying it in the pub. We were enjoying it in the pub. Those goals are going in and we were just like, bloody hell, like this is unbelievable. Um, and the way, and I, obviously we didn't see the goals in the pub, right? So when I got home and, or um, this morning, actually, I watched Match of the Day. And just like the first two got like the, which comedy? I mean, yeah, was it? I'm trying to remember them now in order. I can't remember De them in order. was the first one. Oh, De Hayes was the first yeah, one. Fine. The that happens. Like, that's probably going to happen to Ramsdale yeah. at some point in his career, right? So you can't, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and De Hay is De Hay. Like, I still think he's a top keeper and he's, he's, he, he drops clangers, but he's saved them so many times. Like, he's been there. Given, most yeah, exactly. And his strength is shot stopping, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, you, that, he's not going to do that often. Yeah. But the second goal is the second one, right? Where. Well, the second one is probably his weakness, which is playing out. Playing out from the back. And and it goes to Ericsson, I think. And he's on the turn, like facing the wrong way. And just like, yeah, I I, I feel, I, I say I feel sorry for Ten Hag. I don't because he's a rival manager. But, you know, it, it looks like he's just been sold a job a description that is clearly like much big. It, it was always going to be a big job, but it feels like he's not even being given given the kind of, probably given what he wants. Um, I, 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 I honestly don't know what's going on there, but. But you say that, I do I do think Ten Hag has to learn some lessons here as well, right? Like when Mikel Arteta came in, he was like, I've got this brilliant vision of the football we want to play, but I've got Mustafi, I've got Ozil, I've got all these players who I don't, I don't trust to play out from the back. So I'm just going to play a back five and get us through this season. Mm-hmm. Um what he's done is right. We're going to play. We're going to try and play out. Oh, I think that's the plan. Like we're going to try and play out for the back. But he said, told De Gea to pass it to Ericsson, and they just got pressed and they got done. Right. The same. They bought Martinez, who we you know, we scouted very well. Like I, I watched loads of YouTube videos about him when we were in for him. Right. And he is a great centre back or even a left back when you are dominating possession and you want to play out and you want to get the ball to your midfield and your midfielders can turn and they can pass it to your forwards and you can build up possession. Man United don't have that those players. So instead, all he's going to do is just get bullied because he's a midget and he's not going to get time on the ball. Um, so, you know, should he should he have signed a player like Martinez when he doesn't have a when he's got Fred and Ericsson, I guess, or McTominay around him? Should he have? Do you think it's him signing? I mean, this is the, I mean, this, again, is it him signing? Is it him pushing for that kind of signing? Is it? We don't. Know. I, well, yeah, no, that's a good question. Like, is it him who's signing the players who signed off on Ronaldo last season? All of this stuff is is really interesting. And it could be a similar... So there's a real interesting similarity, I think, with both those transfers, which I think sort of sums up a bit of what Man United's recruitment's like. It's so ridiculously reactionary and almost emotive. So like with Ronaldo, it was a case of, oh my God, City are going to buy him. What are we going to do? We can't let that happen. And clearly there was no plan to sign him. And then City looked like they were going to sign him, so they signed him. This also felt a little bit weird because, you know, Arsenal was scouting him, Arsenal about a game, and did Man United go, oh, hang on a minute, if that player is really good and he plays for Ajax, surely we should, you know, surely Ten Hag would have a better relationship. Do you know what I mean? And, and a bit weird. And then maybe Ten Hag was like, yeah, actually, I don't know why, he's actually a good player. Like, yeah, I could I could do with him. And and without it being part of a, you know, if we compare it to what Arsenal have done under, under Arteta, it's been this very systemic kind of evolution, so, or not evolution, revolution, if you like, of, of, um, of the playing team from the back. So, you know, it was like, we sort out goalkeepers, sort out centre-back, sort out this. It was very component-wise focused, da, 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 very systemic, very methodical. This just seems weird. This is just like a, what are they, you know, there's no, there's nothing to it. There's a, oh, yeah, that guy looks like a good player. There's some, yeah, no, let's just go do that. And, you know, I guess to your point, this is one of the things I think that 
perhaps Arteta didn't get enough credit for. He might have make, made mistakes. Arsenal certainly had not been perfect since he took over. But when he took over, he did just do whatever he had to do to get us through for a period of time. And that 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 system he played, which won us the FA Cup, you know, that was not what he wanted to do. He didn't want to be playing, you know, three at the back. He didn't want to do that. But he did it because he was like, well, I just need, we need to get through this with the players that we have. And that's kind of, you know, what, what you got to do. And you're right about Ten Hag having to learn lesson. I think the interesting thing is, and, you know, it's a question to you, Aaron, and then you know, is, is that as, as Arsenal fans, right, as much as you had all this noise on Twitter and whatever, there was that element of patience. I think people were willing to, they recognised that, like you guys have said, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Now, a lot of Man United fans I've spoken to, they say that, they say that, right? But in reality, do you think that that will actually be the case? If Ten Hag is losing games the way that we were losing it, do you remember when we couldn't even, you know, we couldn't buy a goal at one point, losing to Burnley, Villa, all kinds of teams at home at that point? Yeah. What if, what if it's, what if Man United spend a bit of time in the bottom half of the league? Do you think that he, he'll keep his job? Do you think they'll be patient? Yeah, no, I think, I think the problem is actually like the Man United pundits because they are, they, and I know a lot of Man United fans now get really annoyed by like Keane, Skulls and Neville because actually, I think, like you said, Raj, a lot of them realise this is going to get worse before it gets better. But the minute Man United are languishing in 10th place, I'm in the bottom now, they probably, well, they might or might, probably won't finish bottom. It'd be really funny if they did. But um, the minute they languish, like in mid-table, Gary Neville's going to be like, this is Man United, they shouldn't be finishing 10th. We need to change this now. Um, but actually, you just need to pick a guy and you need to let that guy, you need to give that guy two or three seasons. And then at some point you make a call to say, have we seen enough improvement? And now we've had that conversation about Arteta, right? Which is like, if when when do we draw the cut? When is the cutoff point, right? Because we had those um, that eighth place finish, then we finished fifth. There's, there's an argument to be had to say, if we finish sixth or seventh this season, do we draw the line there, right? But at least we've given him those three years to make a full assessment of, you know, how much better are we getting over time? But I, I honestly think if Man United finished ninth or 10th this season, that's perfectly possible this season. I, I don't know how Ten Hag stays. I think the, the, the ground will just get so toxic. The pundits on TV will amplify that and it won't, it won't get better unless the only way it changes is if the Glazers sell and they've managed to put enough pressure on them. But, but I don't really know enough about the Glazers, but I don't see that likely. I was to say, Mice, like, do you think that a valid reason as to why they can't really be as patient as Arsenal is because Man United, although they've been spending all this money um, and they're spending lots of money, you know, allegedly none of it's actually come from the Glazers and it's all been part of like genuine genuine organically created income from just the size and the power of the club but when you're finishing ninth or tenth you're not in europe sponsorship deals are probably going to be a bit worse to say the least Mm -hmm. suddenly you're global you know there's a lot of fickle fans around the world which make up a lot of their global fan base they've got a huge global fan base right huge so you know if if they start thinking okay crap if we lose that if we start dropping in terms of global fan base, therefore your revenue streams associated, like, you know, European money, all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden it's harder for Man United to actually spend like Man United, if you know what I mean. So is there a valid reason as to why they may just genuinely not be as patient? Yeah, 
Uh, exactly. So I think the, the, the reason that you've just explained is a, is a, is a um, yeah, it's fair rationale for why they, why they might not be um, patient with Ten Hag. Um, uh, sorry, my dog was um, barking in the background. And I had to go on mute. So I've got to be distracted while you're asking that question. I thought, but, thought he was just agreeing with me. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I think, look, I mean, to kind of come back to what you guys were saying, if, if United are, it all depends on what the vision is, right? It, like Aaron said, Aaron put it perfectly. If there's a vision where there's a plan and they're willing to give the manager time, then he will probably still be there like Arteta was after the first couple of seasons with us because we knew what we were doing. It doesn't look like there is a plan there. It doesn't look like there has been a plan there. Even when you, you know you talked about the signings of Ronaldo and um, Martinez, it goes back further than that. When you look at Pogba, um, for example, uh, you look at Harry Maguire, you know, that was, that's been an awful sign. So so this has been going on for three, four, five years. Um, and I think with United as well, it's like Aaron made a really good point about the pundits, right? Just everyone associated with United have just been spoiled. Like the fans, the fans of our age, yeah, we, you know, we're all in our 30s. Those fans that started supporting United when they were successful, not because of their history. And they started supporting them in the 90s when they started becoming successful and started winning Premier Leagues and then started winning European Cups and whatever. They've just been spoiled. So there's no patience. Like Arsenal fans of a certain age had bad times. Pre-Wenger, I remember pre-Wenger just about. And, you know, it wasn't like what it was, you know, for those peak 10 years during Wenger and even since then. So United fans don't have that. And a lot of people associated and that talk about United don't have that memory of ever being that bad. And, And, you know great you know <laughs> screw them to be honest but um i think that's part of it i think they've just been so spoiled everyone throws their toys out the pram as soon as they lose a game and um yeah it's it's it's, it's hilarious for us but i honestly mate like i don't think any of us know what would come what what united could because the thing is like you like we said they've got good enough players to probably on paper finish in the top four i'm not saying they will and i don't think they will based on what we've seen so far but They've, they've still got quality going through their squad. So it's very, very hard to see like, or to, to kind of predict what's going to happen with them. But yeah, hopefully she just keeps going really, really badly. Long may it continue. I totally agree with me. Right, look, we've got Bournemouth this weekend. Um, so let's just finish up by talking about that. So Scott Parker's Bournemouth just got a bit of a beating against City, but City are going to batter most teams aren't they and um yeah they did okay on the opening day of the season kind of classic newly promoted team uh, at home on opening day had a had a nice win against um against villa and we're going to bournemouth uh as in not us individually none of us are actually going to bournemouth but obviously the team are going to bournemouth now it's interesting again because this is a game that i think last season i probably would have felt quite concerned about just because just because, you know, of, of, of what we've come to get used to with Arsenal and um, and playing against kind of, you know, some, sometimes teams which have a little bit of a hostile atmosphere and, and are really up for it. Uh, I personally feel less concerned now, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a walk in the park. What do you guys think? I mean, I'll come to you first, Aaron, and on this one. What, when you're looking to the, this weekend's game, against Bournemouth, what are your thoughts? Uh, that we should win, basically. I think um, I... Don't seem much. I hate being confident about Arsenal winning because when we, when I am confident, we just find a, a unique way. To you thought we up. were going to win our last two but, games, and we won our last two games. I did, yeah, I know, but I don't, I don't like talking about it too much because I don't want to. 
because I'm just waiting for it to go wrong. But no, I don't think Bournemouth have that much about them. Like, honestly, I think um, Scott Parker at the start of the season was basically saying we have no defenders. Um, we are struggling. I don't know who they've signed this season, but they, yeah, they did well against, they surprised me against actually against Villa to get a result. But against City, you're right, everyone struggles against City, so you can't read too much into it. But we should be going there and we should be winning. And dare I say, we should be winning comfortably. Myers, what do you reckon? Yeah, pretty much agree. I mean, look, yeah, they've obviously got a threat, as you said, Villa. They beat Villa on the first day of the season, but um, like I was having a look at some of the stats that, you know, in terms of possession, they're not a team that, well, we can only go on the first couple of games and one of those was against City, but I think even against Villa, they had something like 35% possession or around that kind of number. So I fully expect us to go there and have a lot of the ball um, and therefore dominate. And I think when you watch, you know, our attacking play now, when you watch ha- the intention that we have, you know, we're not just, we're not just making passes for the sake of it and hoping that something comes out of it um at the end in terms of like an actual output we're now in we're we're now attacking our passing now is forward through the lines you know overlapping lots of good interchange play and I just think Bournemouth basically won't be able to cope with it so yeah I'm with Aaron and I I think you know if we go there and play as we should and dominate the ball as we should then I think we go there and win and I think we should be able to open them up a few times and score a few goals so I'm going to go 3-0 Arsenal. Oh yeah. So, what's your what was your score prediction, Aaron? I'll go four one. Uh, no, I t- to be honest, I think we are going to batter them. To be honest, like I again, I think we're really cautious on this podcast of, of, of sounding like idiots in retrospect, right? But like, I, <laughs> yeah. I really like for the reason, Mize. I think I think you nailed it. Really, to be honest, I I, I don't really. They, what what I found interesting is they're not. You know, some teams get promoted and from what you see in the transfer window, you can sort of tell if they are thinking, right, we really want to make a go of staying up and we want to establish ourselves as a Premier League team. Or some of the, these teams who actually just accept that actually they need to do a couple of seasons of bouncing again because the the parachute payments, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't look like these guys, I think, have a plan to stay in the Premier League this season like that it's just look at even look at how Forrest have been spending look Forrest has signed quite a few players they're still signing people they've been linked with um Hussein yeah. Moir, haven't they yeah I saw oh, that oh, and um there's a couple yeah. of others I can't, I, they just I, signed um Emmanuel Dennis from Watford who there you go really exciting player right? last season like Fulham don't sign Burnt Leno because they think that they you know unless they've got a genuine plan to try and stay up right like he would not they're not bloody why starting. is he going to go to a team? Huh? That was true. It's true. But why is he going to go somewhere that he, that, <laughs> that he feels that, you know, don't have serious intentions of trying to stay up? Yeah. Bournemouth, I don't, think, I don't think have that. So I agree. I look at them and I kind of go like, I mean, you know, if, if he's got concerns about the defense, then we're not a team you want to play right now. If you're concerned about, you know, whether you've got defensive numbers and you like, yeah. And the, anyway, the only concern, I'm sorry, Raj, to interrupt on your yeah. prediction. The only concern, like the, the, the thing in the back of my mind is it's that, it's a Saturday night game. It's on Sky. Is at their ground, obviously, right? Whatever. So, like, they're going to be up for it. It's a big game for them. That's the only thing. Like, if it something doesn't quite go our way and then the fans kind of, you know, really start getting... I know they've got a small stadium, but the fans start really getting behind their team and then, you know, they're always... That can always... It's, Premier League, it's the Premier League, right? So, who knows? But I think, yeah, as I said, if we go and play our game, we should win. Hmm. What was your prediction? Uh, I am going to go 4-0. 
I was actually going to go four one with Aaron, and, um, but you know we did the same last week as well. So let me just change up a little bit. So four four nil. Um, cool guys. Uh, listen, thank you very much for joining. Um, as always, boys, it's brilliant when I get to download with you guys because what I mean, it's just so much fun when Arsenal are winning, and particularly when Man United are doing so badly. Just being able to. To just really get into it, we could have we could have we could have been harsher on United. To be fair, I think we were pretty nice. I think so because it's so early in the season. You know, at the end of the day, who knows? You, you never know, do you? But um, everyone, thank you for listening. Please like, share, subscribe. Really appreciate all your support, and uh, and have a great week. And look forward to you know our, this 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 feel good Arsenal that we've got. Um, and yeah, let's go. Let's go for three and three, boys. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Nice one. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Cheers, guys. See you. Bye.